The following is a sermon from the Edgington Evangelical Presbyterian Church in Taylor Ridge, Illinois. Now I'd like to invite you to open up a copy of God's Word with me to Luke and chapter 2. If you need a Bible, there's one nearby you, a blue Bible in the pew rack. Uh, Open with me to page 857 as we look to the birth narrative according to the Gospel of Luke, Luke in chapter 2. And uh, if you need a Bible, there's surely one nearby you or one who will share one with you. And it's good to have it open before us and keep it open as we consider God's Word. Uh, And as you're doing that, uh, before we read the Scriptures, it goes without saying, doesn't it, that everybody loves Christmas. And everyone loves Christmas for varied reasons because they associate so many different things, perhaps, but I'm sure... Uh, For all of us, Christmas, we associate with all these wonderful things, joy and love and peace and family and all the unity that comes with that, all these things. So much so that that when C.S. Lewis wanted to describe a world of hopelessness and a world of bleakness and a world of sorrow in that great children's book, the Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, he described the world of Narnia before the coming of Aslan as a a world that was always winter and never Christmas. Always winter and never Christmas. The idea of hopelessness is a terrible thought, I think, for anyone. And we don't live in a fantasy world like Narnia, of course, but the, the story of Christmas intersects our world, the story that's uh, eternally old but also 2,000 years old intersects our world today and in the most meaningful ways we love to hear it. Even this chapter, Luke chapter 2, which is so familiar to us, which uh, perhaps you've attended Christmas Eve service after Christmas Eve service and heard this same text read or have known it throughout your life. And uh, I was reminded of something this uh, past month that I was uh, visiting the home of one of our uh, a very eldest members, someone who's been a member in front of this church uh, for decades, and her memory is uh, failing her. And I read this story to her, the Luke chapter 2, and I got done reading it, and she said, Thank you. Thank you so much. That was the most beautiful story I've ever heard. A woman who has sat in one of these pews hearing this story over and over and over again, but seemingly perhaps again for the very first time. What a beautiful story. And yes, it is. Let us pause and pray and then hear God's word. Our great God, we thank you for the scriptures. And Lord, we do believe that you give to us the Bible that we might know you know your will for our lives, and know how you reveal yourself to us in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so tonight, on this holy Christmas Eve, Lord, we want to hear this story again, and Lord, may the Spirit allow it to fall upon our hearts and upon our ears and upon our minds with freshness, with delight, with joy, and with a a new sense of its incredible beauty. And so, Lord, come and speak to us, we pray, in the power of your word, we ask, in the name of Jesus, our Lord, amen. This is from Luke in chapter 2, beginning at 
verse 8. Hear the word of God. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the angels went away from them into heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of God abides forever. And so may he write its truth on our hearts tonight. Uh, What we've uh, been doing this Advent season, if you've been able to be with us these past four Sundays or not, what we've been looking at together is uh, the idea of the truth of the reality of Jesus Christ as true Man, his true humanity. We've been looking under this series, we've been calling it the Christ, and we've we've looked at his his human nature, we've looked at his human body, we have uh, thought about his human mind, considered his human will, and tonight we're considering his human affections. We have tried to think deeply about what it means that God has taken on flesh to be a real human being, to be like us in every respect, but yet without sin, so that we who have sin might have a mediator who is God and man. And of course, our passage tonight is one that we know so well, the shepherds going to Bethlehem and beholding the birth of the child, looking again at verse 16 and finding the shepherds going with haste and finding This scene, Mary and Joseph and the baby who is lying in a manger. Now, we're not singing this carol tonight, but there is a carol that is usually at the top of most people's favorite list of Christmas carols. It polls among the most loved ones, and our our children sung it uh, throughout this Advent season especially. It's away in a manger, and I'm sure you all know it, and I'm sure you all love it. But there's a line in that carol that has always puzzled me. 
And I wonder if you've ever thought about it yourself. As we think about Jesus in a manger, that carol goes that the cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. And I have had this year several people come up to me and say, why in the world does it say that Jesus is not crying? Because every baby I have ever known cries. What's the deal with Jesus not crying? Now, quickly here, uh, it is a fact that babies come to church to cry. <laughs> uh, but everyone always asks me, I think the number one question I get about preaching in general is, what do you think about the babies? And the answer is, I love them. A church that doesn't delight in the sound of children is a church that is destined to die very quickly. And we delight in children. We delight to hear their cries, uh, even when their cries are louder than the preacher. Uh, but what is the deal with Jesus and not crying in this carol, especially as we think about this scene of Jesus laying in a manger. Did the baby Jesus cry? It seems like a strange question, perhaps. Did the baby Jesus cry? Now, the implication in that question is actually pretty significant if you stop to think about it, because some people might be tempted to think, well, it's suggesting that he's, he's the perfect child. The perfect child never cries, and so therefore he is sinless, and so therefore doesn't cry. But that's assuming that all crying is sinful. It's surely not. We want to hear the baby cry when it's first born. It's a sign of health. It's a sign of vitality. It's a sign of real life is there. But this baby Jesus that lies in a manger, and we think about the perfect scene, as it were, in our Hallmark-type minds, but in, in the real reality of what that scene uh, was and what it brought, this real, true human baby, surely he cried. And if we, if we focus in on that thought and begin to consider the fact that Jesus cries that begins to give us some thought about who he really is and what he's come to do. Now, I don't want to undermine the carol whatsoever, of course, because uh, the carol's point is itself to highlight a peaceful and serene scene, calmness, peacefulness of the moment. The, the baby Jesus wakes up from his nap and he coos rather than cries and isn't he delightful? Or maybe they were just looking to find a word to rhyme with the baby wakes or whatever the case might be. But do Jesus' tears... Do Jesus' tears tell us something about our Savior? And in telling us something about our Savior, perhaps they tell us something about ourselves, something about His affections and our affections, His emotions and our emotions. It is no doubt a strange question to ask at Christmas Eve to say, what about crying and Jesus crying? We're supposed to be talking about happy things and joyful things and merry things at, at Christmas, and you're talking about tears but the reason why we want to do that is because if we're taking a very sincere and close look at this child, we're asking ourselves, who is he in truth? What is he? And what has he come to do? Even if he lay silently under stars at that moment, he certainly did cry. And if there's one place that's especially to take notice of this, 
It's in John's Gospel and in chapter 11 where we find a most remarkable scene. Jesus at this point has grown up. He's not the baby in a manger. He's, he's a man, something of 30 to 33 years old in his public ministry. And he's traveling to Bethany to pay respects to his friend who's died, Lazarus. Lazarus was a friend of his. Mary and Martha was his sisters. Jesus would stay at their home in Bethany frequently when he had ministry in that area. And Jesus has gone now to pay respects to Lazarus who has died. He's also gone to demonstrate his power over the grave by raising Lazarus and declaring, I'm the resurrection and the life. And that's all well and good, but that's not actually what we want to focus on just here tonight because John reports this most remarkable scene with Jesus where he's come to the home and he's speaking to Mary and he's speaking to Martha and they're expressing the grief in their hearts. Lord, if you would have been here, our brother would not have died. And I think all of us in human experience understand the the grief and the sorrow and that reality of losing a loved one. Lord, if you would have been here, my, my brother would not have died. Jesus could have simply told Mary and Martha, don't worry about it. I'm going to raise him up. Quit, quit crying. Don't worry about your grief. Don't worry about your sorrows. I'm the resurrection and the life. Don't you know that? But he doesn't do that. Jesus goes to Bethany to the home of Mary and Martha with their dead brother. And we find the Lord Jesus, as it says in John eleven thirty three, deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled, joining the sorrows of the family and friends of Lazarus. And it says in John eleven thirty five 35, that Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. God in flesh, the creator of worlds, the author of all being, upholding the universe, raining tears of human sorrow and sympathy at the graveside of a friend. If that doesn't cause you to pause and wonder in amazement of who this person is, it's time to think deeper about him. It's also time to remember that one of the most commonly used attributes of Jesus is that Jesus is full of compassion. Jesus is full of compassion at the sight of blind men who desire their sight, lepers who face the indignity of their diseases, moved with compassion. Jesus is brought to tears as he looks upon the the mourners at Lazarus' grave, looks over Jerusalem, a city that doesn't receive him. Jesus weeps. And again, doesn't it seem strange at Christmas to think about that? The pastor's off his rocker talking about crying at Christmas. But it's just a fact, isn't it, that the holidays are for us oftentimes a mixture of sorrow and happiness. So oftentimes uh, church services have blue Christmas services in recognition of the fact that there is a mixture of emotions in the celebration of the holidays. Maybe perhaps the remembrance of a loved one no longer with us or fear perhaps that our time with our loved ones is running out and we feel all of that upon us and in all these different ways where in our hearts we know that we're supposed to be joyful and, and all the rest but we have this, this emotion, these affections weighing down on us and we are this intersection of so much complexity and it's difficult. 
So what does Jesus in a manger have to say to you in that complexity of emotions, in that complexity of affections? He is God of God, true God, the Word made flesh, human nature, body, mind, will, affections, moved in the sight of human need and in the sight of pain and in the sight of death. And here's the point. This is a Savior who knows you. This is a Savior who knows you better than you know yourself because he is at the same time your creator and your redeemer. He knows all of these things about you because he himself has felt these emotions, the affections and the emotions of the real human Jesus who can draw near to you in these moments of gladness, moments of sorrow, moments of tears, moments of grief, moments of anger, uh, moments of pain, all of these emotions in the spectrum of human emotions that you feel in the complexities of who we are as created beings. And the point is that the Lord Jesus has come to share that, experience that, and taste that because he's been there. That's the point. He has literally been there, been where you are, been where you have been. There's a hymn that we sing at the beginning of our lessons in carol service every year. It's the historical opening to that great uh, service called Once in Royal David's City. And it has this line that says, He was little, weak, and helpless. Tears and smiles like us he knew. And he feeleth for our sadness, and he shareth in our gladness. You know, the trouble for so many people is that they think that God is distant from them. They think that God is not compassionate to their lot in life and what they feel and the experiences where they find themselves. They think perhaps that God doesn't care or he's not mindful of me. They have this roadblock in their life. And we talk about walking in other people's shoes, the idea of a shared experience. But more than walking in our shoes, the point of Christmas is that Jesus has walked in our flesh and shared all of these human experiences that cause us to question and to hurt and to rejoice and all, everything in between. Jesus has come to live a perfect life of righteousness and obedience, a sinless life, and offer up to the Father a sacrifice that is spotless and pure, a real, true human life, giving himself in his death, paying a debt that he did not owe because we owe a debt that we cannot pay, and then rising in triumphant resurrection to swing wide the gates of eternal life and open up paradise to all those who would come and trust that this is indeed the Son of God and the way to the Father and the means of forgiveness. That's what it means to see the full story of Christmas. To understand that the child is at one moment in a manger because he is destined to live and then to die and then to rise. 
so that we might have hope. God has come into the world in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what you see when you see this is the Savior's affection of love for you. God's infinite, eternal, boundless, unchangeable love for you in His Son. So who is He in yonder stall at whose feet the shepherds fall? Tis the Lord, a wondrous story. Tis the Lord, the King of glory. Humbly at His feet we fall. Crown Him. Crown him Lord of all. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and his real and true humanity, for all that he is for us as our Savior, in our nature, with his human mind, his human body, his human will, his human affections for us and for our salvation. Lord, help us to see something of this and take us deeper in those considerations that we might rise higher in praise and in love for who he is for us. We thank you for your wondrous plan and we pray in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If you would like more information about our church or its ministries, please visit edgingtonepc.org. May God bless and keep you.